Okay, so guess what I'm talking about today? No? Well, yeah, obviously about God. I'm talking about the, the peace of God today. Um, that's what I felt the Holy Spirit wanted to talk about. Because you see, peace is something that the world just doesn't have. And sadly, it's not something that a lot of Christians have, if we're honest with ourselves. And God wants us to be walking and living in a place of peace. You see, what, what we experienced this morning after the worship, where we kind of sat there for 10 minutes, that, that's, that, that to me is, like, uh, that, that's, that's kind of, that's normal. That's what it should be like. When, when, we, when we go into our prayer rooms and stuff and we, and we spend time with the Lord, we should, be, we should be used to the presence and the heaviness of the peace of God like uh, God graces, graced us with this morning. And that's the peace that passes all understanding. That's the peace that can anchor our lives among, amidst any kind of storm. This is, not, this is not some kind of, oh, I have the peace of God, therefore nothing ever goes wrong. No, 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 no. It, sometimes when everything's going wrong, that's when you absolutely need the peace of God so that, so that you can be in the eye of the storm. The eye of the storm is the bit where there's nothing going on. It's completely calm, yet the storm is going on all around you. And this is what Jesus has given to us. This is a gift that God gave to his church. And we need to avail ourselves of it. It's a free gift. Let's use it, right? So we've experienced this. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you've graced us with your, with your blessed shalom, your peace with us today, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. It's tangible. It's in the air now. We thank you for it, Lord God. Praise you, Jesus. This is the tangible presence and peace of God that we can have all of the time. Hallelujah. If you turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians 4, verse 6. Philippians 4, verse 6. <clears throat> Famous one, you'll all know this one. <laughs> and we've all fallen prey to this one, eh? <laughs> Do not be anxious about some things. Is that what it says? No. It says, be anxious. My Bible says, Do not be anxious about anything. Or some translations, be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding in other words all carnal reasoning of the intellect will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus man there's so much in this scripture man we could we could spend weeks in this in this passage it's, it's, how it links the heart how it links back to Proverbs 4 uh, 23 which says guard your heart for out of it flow the issues of life and all this kind of stuff and how the peace of God guards our heart amen but let's break this down it says do not be anxious now, I, when I see words, key words, I have to ask myself, what does it say in the original Greek? You know, so we can like suck, suck every nuance out of that word, anxious. It, it comes from the uh, word, Greek word, merimnus, and it means to be troubled with cares, to seek to promote one's interests, to be fretful and distracted by care and worry. Now, we know about what it means to be worried and fretful and anxious, but it was interesting, that other thing that it said in the Greek there, 
to seek to promote one's interests. <sighs> I'll, just, I'll just bear my soul with you, shall I? Um, so, and maybe in my bearing my soul, it might help you relate to, to maybe to yourself what, what's going on here. As you see, there is a lot of Christians that, that very rarely actually have real genuine peace inside of them. They might say theologically, yes, amen. I have the peace of God in me because the Holy Spirit dwells in me. But if we were to think honestly about that, would the reality of our confession of our mouth bear up to the reality of what we're saying in our mouth? Have we really got that depth of peace living within us? Because you see, if we actually took the time to stop, and you see, this is why I think people don't like silence. Because when you come into the presence of silence, the mind has to start thinking about stuff. But when we have noise, even worship music, yeah, even any kind of noise, it, it, it can take our mind off things. And sometimes, you know, and I, don't, I know we don't want to become navel gazers, but there is a time and a place where we have to stop and be in silence in the presence of God and take a good look at ourselves. Because where it says about, in, that, in the Greek, about self-promotion, etc., how many of us in our lives have wanted to be noticed? How many of our in our lives have wanted to be seen and um, exalted or given recognition, for example, for the things that we do? If you're driven and motivated by the need to be seen, by the need to be accepted, it actually is showing that there's a lack of peace inside of you. Because if you are in peace within you, it's the peace of God, then you don't need to prove yourself. You don't need to be anything other than know who you are in Christ Jesus, which is I am a beloved son of Almighty God. I am a co-heir in the royal inheritance of Christ Jesus. I am a priest of the order of Melchizedek. That's who I am, that's my identity. My identity is not found in my title, Pastor Chris or anything like that. My identity is not found in how many years I've been doing my job. My identity is not found in the kind of car I drive. My identity is not found in the kind of, uh, I don't know, technology that I use, like I use Apple technology. What does that say about me? You know, and my identity is not found in those things, yet that's what advertising is. You know, always it's like, hey, if you have this car, you will be happy. If you have this latest iPad, you know, you will be the coolest guy in town. You know, you can be a granola eating hipster with an iPad. You know, this, this is for you. And, and so we are all so focused on externals that inside most of us don't have a real sense of peace because we, we're not at peace with ourselves. So I take time every now and then to actually stop and actually listen to the, the interior voice of my life. And if I find that I'm fretful, if I find that I'm anxious, if I find I'm being a little bit pushy within myself, it shows me that I'm out of whack. I'm out of sorts and I need to get back into the place of God and back into the peace of God. Because when you're in place of peace, it's freedom. The kingdom of God is, according to Romans 14, righteousness, peace, peace and joy. Amen. 
But uh, there's plenty of miserable Christians around, right? So we, we, but we need all of those things. We, we need the righteousness of Christ. You know, uh, it's, uh, 1 Corinthians 5.20, odd, sorry, 5.23, I think, says, he who, he who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. So you have the righteousness of God imputed to you. Obviously, you've got to work that out. But also, God has given us his peace, and he's also given us his joy. But when we are not feeling peace, and when we're not feeling joy, it means we're out of whack. We are out of alignment with the things of the kingdom of God and out of alignment with the things of the spirit of God. Now, you've encountered today just a few minutes of the presence of God. By the time you get home, some of you might still be carrying it and some of you it might have left when you left the door. And you've got to ask yourself, why? Why? Why am I? Why? How did that happen? How did I go from the place of the perfect peace of Christ and suddenly I'm back into the place of anxiousness again? because of what goes on in here. A negative thought about somebody, something you probably shouldn't said. Maybe you've slightly grieved the spirit of God and weren't even aware of it. So now, when I, I'm quite sensitive to what goes on inside me. If I suddenly feel anxious about something, I stop myself, I go, why am I feeling anxious? And I just rewind a little bit and it's like, oh yeah, it's because I thought this or I said that or, or I didn't react well to that circumstance. I then repent. And I immediately come back to the place of peace as well. Now, this scripture is great because it teaches us how to live in the peace of God continually. All right. So it says, do not. It starts with the words, do not. Now, in the Old Testament, under the Mosaic law, the Torah, if the Torah said, do not, you must not, you shall not. Right. You pretty much get the picture that it is a prohibition. It is not allowed. And so the Bible in the New Testament law is quite clear here. Do not. This is a prohibition. You are not allowed to think like this. You're not permitted to live like this. Do not be anxious about anything. Oh, but Jesus, surely you know the situation that I'm going through. Surely you've seen the mess in my family. Surely you've seen the financial situation. Surely our company is about to go down the drain. Jesus, how can you say be anxious about nothing? Because Lord, surely I can be anxious about this particular thing because surely this is worthy of merit to be anxious about. Nope. Do not be anxious about anything. How? But in everything. In everything by prayer. Prayer, 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 prayer. We here in the West, we love to be busy, don't we, amen? We will work ourselves into the ground. We'll go burn ourselves out for Jesus. But how many times of the day or how, many, how much time of each day are we actually spending in prayer with Jesus? 15 minutes and then the rest of the day is just complete mayhem? <laughs> you look at the African church. Now, I hear this a lot. I hear this by Westerners, the busy Westerners. Oh, we do far too much praying. We just need to get on with it. Well, OK, how much prayer has actually gone into this thing? Well, I don't know. I've got an app on my phone that actually, that actually tallies up how much prayer I do a day. All right. Sometimes that's not very nice to see that tally. Sometimes it's encouraging. <laughs> Sometimes like, man, I better get my, my you know, I've got to get my button gear here. Because actually, if we're honest with ourselves, what we think is a lot of time of prayer 
isn't often a lot of time of prayer. I look at some of the greatest revivals and moves of God. I look at some of the churches in the world that have the greatest growth per capita and it's down to the fact that they pray. It's as simple as that. It's, it's a simple equation. Pray more, God will do more. Pray less, God will do less. And so, and so Paul is saying, look, guys, be anxious about absolutely nothing, but in everything by prayer. Remember, Paul is the same guy that said, pray without ceasing. All right. So now it's just be praying all the time. But in everything by prayer and supplication. What does supplication means mean? It, we know what intercession means. That means we pray on behalf of somebody else. We present them before the Lord. Supplication is really your own prayers. Praying and calling out to God, Lord God, this is my situation. This is my mess that I'm in right now. Lord, I commit this situation into your hands, Lord. I, I entrust it to your wisdom. I entrust it to your wisdom, Jesus, because you know what? We're good at getting in the way. Like, Jesus, you seem to be taking a while answering this prayer. So I'll just give you a little bit of a helping hand along the way, you know, because, you know, that saying on the other side of a compromise is a miracle. Sometimes if we could just back off and get our hands off and let God be God. And yes, he might take his time with doing it. But when he does it, it will be amazing and he will get all the glory. And you will be like, wow, God's done a miracle in my life. <laughs> By prayer, supplication, and this is the key, with thanksgiving. The Greek word for, for thanksgiving here is Eucharistia. This is where the word Eucharist comes from. It's, it's that vivacious thanking God. And this is what you do when you thank God. When you offer up your supplications to the Lord, you say, thank you, Jesus. What are you thanking him for? Thanking him that he's heard your prayers and he's going to answer your prayers. And so once you thank him and you say, Jesus, I thank you, Lord God, and I just leave this with you. Hallelujah. I leave it with you and I take my hands off and I walk away and I trust in the Lord God that he is going to deal with that. And I give him thanks and I give him praise and I give him all the glory. Let your requests be made known to God. And then, verse 7, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's a process to being in the peace of God. There's a process. And it doesn't come out of busyness. I, I run a thing called prayer school every Thursday. And so one of the things that I'm teaching Christians to do in term two is how to, I teach them things like, you know, Lectio Divina. I teach them about, there's three types of prayer. There's vocal prayer, meditation type prayer, and then contemplation prayer. Contemplation is the hardest, not because it's a higher thing to get to get to. It's just difficult because people can't concentrate on nothing or stillness rather on the presence of God. They just can't cope with it because you know what our brains are like. Our brains will do anything but focus on the present. Well, even now, some of you are thinking, oh, did I leave the oven on this morning? <laughs> right? you just, we, we just seem incapable sometimes of focusing on the moment rather than you know, living the moment. But we're not. We're always thinking what could have been, what should have been, what might be, what will be. Yeah, as opposed to what is. Jesus, as he revealed himself in the, in, the, in the burning bush, said, I am. Not I was, nor I will be, but I am. The ever-present yet transcendent God, here, right now, in the now, praise God. Have mm. you ever dealt with children that you're trying to talk to them about something, and they're like, oh, squirrel. They're just constantly... You're like, hello, I'm over here. You're trying to talk to them, but like, oh, what's that? That's what we're like. God's like sat there trying to tell us something, but we're like, oh, what was that? We're just like, our mind's going off all the time. And so in our prayer time and in our quiet time, 
That's funny, isn't it? Quiet time. That, that actually, again, that's just what we don't do. This, I mean, when I, when I, when I spend time with my wife, some of the nicest moments with my wife are, and you probably laugh at this, are actually when we're not speaking. <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> Glory. Okay, it's, it's when it's in the time of quietness where we're just sat there with each other. We're either reading a book or we're just watching something because we're just being with each other. Okay, I, I don't go to my wife every morning with a shopping list of requests. I need this to be done today. I need that to be done today. I need this to be done today. Blah, 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 blah. And that's the sole purpose of our relationship is based on this is what I need you to do. Please get on with it. Okay, that's a servant, right? My wife isn't my servant, she's not my slave. She, she's a help me and she's a co-heir in Christ with me, okay? So I don't treat her like that. Why then should I create the one who created all living beings in that way? He's not my servant, he's not my slave. He's not my lackey, he doesn't do, what I, he doesn't do my bidding. When am I taking the time to sit and just be with him? With no agenda, with no shopping list. But actually, like when I sit times when I sit with my wife or, or as a family, we just sit together and just enjoy being in each other's company. That there's a time and a place where actually I just be with God rather than have to give him a list of things to do. I was at a conference a few weeks ago and I was teaching about prayer and it just sort of popped into my head. I had loads of charismatics in the room and, uh, and it just just came into my mind. I said, how many of you gone into your prayer room with that fretfulness that, that you've just got to do something? You, you're going to have to, I don't know, rend the heavens or you feel this kind of anxiousness or itchiness that you've got to do something in your prayer time. And quite a few put their hands up and I said, because that's the worst place you could be when you go into the prayer room. If you ever get like that, do the exact opposite. Because whatever it is you're going to do is going to be in the flesh and it's going to be a complete and utter waste of time. The Bible says... In Psalm 46, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. Another one that I found the other day is in Psalm 62, verse 1. And it says, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. You know, even in our prayer time, we've got to have the soaking music on, right? We've got to have a bit of worship going on in the background. I ban it. It's like, no. Get used to being in the silence. Get used to being in the presence of Christ. And get used to the fact that he's not just outside of you, but he's within you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the earth. People, we say, oh yes, amen, brother, sister, Christ is in me, the hope of glory. So, but what is the reality of that for you in your life? Are you actually experiencing a reality of the relationship that God is living within you? It's time to move away from the theological constructs and concepts of Christianity and bring it into a living reality. We are disciples of Christ, which means we have to train ourselves and disciple ourselves in the ways of, of holiness according to scripture. John 17, three says, eternal life is knowing God. Therefore, my question to all of us is, what is the quality of your eternal life? How well do you know him? 
well, I've been a Christian since 1990. I, you know, I've been through this and I've been through that and I've read my Bible through 80 times. Good for you, but do you know him? Because, brothers and sisters, what God blessed us with today, which you're going to experience more and more and more of, I believe, over the coming years, is something that God wants every Christian, and it's your right, and it's your inheritance to walk in the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding all of the time. But it's like in Hebrews 4, it talks about strive to stay in the place of rest. So how do you strive to stay in the place of rest? In other words, fight for it. If you feel yourself coming out of the rest, out of the shalom, out of the peace of God, then you must contend to get back into that place. Jesus, Melchizedek, king of Salem. Melech or Melech Sadiq, which it says in the Hebrew, Melech Sadiq, which means king of righteousness. And then Melech uh, Salem, king of peace. That's where the name Jerusalem comes from, the city of peace. Jesus is the king of peace. Jesus came to give us his peace. In fact, it says that, doesn't it? In John 14, 27, he says, peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives, but peace I leave with you. Jesus has given us his tangible peace. Turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. Eleven. Verses 11 to 13. I always find this quite interesting, this, this particular passage. This is where, I think it's yeah, Elijah. Elijah has heard the call of God and he, he's gone up to a mountain. I think, I'm not sure which mountain it is, Mount Carmel, I don't know. Uh, but he's gone up to one of these mountains uh, to hear the voice of God. And he said, this is the voice of God, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord's, Lord passed by. All right, so... An external event has just happened. God has passed by and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Well, hang on a minute. The Lord just moved by. We saw these signs and wonders. But his presence is not found and his voice is not found in those things. You know what? No disrespect, but I've been to revival meetings. I have seen God move powerfully and I've left those meetings somehow empty. Why? Because if you're looking for intimacy with God, you won't find it in a revival meeting. You find it in the still, small voice of Christ, which is within you. Let's move on. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low, quiet whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous and on it goes. But it was that moment of listening to the still small voice. It wasn't in the latest Bethel album. It wasn't in the latest worship conference. It wasn't in the greatest sermon that you've ever heard. It wasn't in a Billy Graham crusade. It was in the place of quiet. It was the still, quiet, small voice. Be still and know. Know 
The Greek word there for know means as a man knows a woman, to be intimately acquainted and attentive to and fully knowing me as, as us becoming one flesh. Be still and know that I am God. Hallelujah. Do you want to walk in that place where you just literally exude the peace of God? I know a lady, bless her, uh, she'd come out of her prayer room and she went to Barclays Bank and she started speaking to the bank manager and then the bank manager started flooding with tears because she encountered the presence of God that was oozing off a Christian. That doesn't come because you're so clever. That doesn't come because you know all the right answers. That doesn't come because you've spent 30 years serving Jesus. It comes from knowing God and it comes from being in his presence. When Moses came down out of the mountain after the second 40 days, 80 days he'd been up there, his face shone because he'd spent so much time in the presence of God that the presence of God, which is very light because God is light, was flowing out of his being. Now, I don't go in, spend time in the prayer room, so I come out like a light bulb for everyone else's sake. I just want to spend time in the prayer room and I want to spend more quality time with Christ Jesus. Because if I'm not doing that, what on earth am I doing? And why am I doing it? How much of what I do in my life will be burnt up with fire when it's presented for the Lord? Because it wasn't a true good work, but it was done as a work of the flesh and what I thought Jesus wanted me to do and what I expected him that I should be doing. Don't get me wrong, it's a place of obedience. But I want what I do for Christ to be as refined gold that won't be burnt up in the fire. Because I'm not only doing the works of Christ, but I know him who sent me. You know, one of the most scariest verses in the Bible is that verse where it says, but Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. And Jesus said, depart from me, because I do not know you, you lawless one. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. We're coming into, I believe, the most tumultuous moments in Earth's history that we've seen since the Second World War. And we're fast approaching, I think, probably some horrendous stuff coming into the world. What the world doesn't need to see in these days is Christians running around like headless chickens. What the world needs to see in these days is a people that are full of the peace of God, a people that know their saviour, that despite their own concerns with what's going on, that they can still be in a place of perfect peace, amen? So I'm going to give you some homework now. Practical ways of developing the peace of God in your life. Now some of you are not going to be used to this, so this will drive you crazy to start with, but trust me, it works. Um, my, my, how I learned how to do all this stuff is I was taught by, uh, over, well, a long time ago, long before I got married, I was taught by nuns how to pray, how to be in the contemplative silence and how to just dwell in the presence of God. And I've had that with me all of my life and it's blessed me so much. And I tell you what, I'll never, ever, ever, ever 
ever go back to how things used to be. When I, when I, the encounters that they taught me how to have with God are the most deepest, most profoundest encounters I've ever had with the living God that I never got from a big worship service, that I never got from a revival meeting, that I never got from a great sermon, that I never got from going to church. I need all of those things. But the greatest things I got from God were in the place of silence with him. So, how do you do this, some of this stuff? What's a good practical exercise to get you used to the pra- practicing the presence of God? Well, one of the things that I do each day is I'll find, uh, get scripture. Yeah, scripture is nice and easy to, not a big long one, just like a short one, that you can kind of just use as a point of concentration. Because what's, what's going to happen is your mind's going to wander off like a bee. It's gonna, so you've got to control it. So what I do is you sit down in a place of quiet, no worship music, nothing. And you sit there and you just breathe in and you breathe out. And then as you're breathing in, breathing out, just think about that scripture. Either read it or just think about it. It's a great way of memorizing scripture as well. Just, just as you're breathing in, think of the scripture. As you're breathing out, think of the scripture. And then become aware of the presence of God. A bit like he's here right now. Become aware of his presence. But, you see, we're all charismatics here. We only think God's on the outside. Now, be aware that the presence of Christ is also in you. Because it says in John 17, it says, Lord, I am in them and they in us. And Jesus is in us through his Holy Spirit. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. And you become aware of that. And you rest in that presence. And when your mind starts wandering about the laundry or you've got to see brother so-and-so, whatever, come back to your scripture. It locks the mind back to where you came from. Then turn your attention to the presence of God. To start with, set your clock for 10 minutes a day, because that's all you'll be able to cope with. Then after a couple of weeks, 15. Then after a few weeks, 20. Then, and then you really want to be kind of at least doing half an hour a day. And I tell you something now, it will change your life forever. You'll become, you'll become so attuned to the inner wars and troubles that go on within us that you'll be like King David. It says, oh, why so, why so disquieted, oh, my soul within me? And you'll be able to recognize what's going on with you and put it to a place of peace so that you can bring your life and your heart into a place of peace. So you're not like a little leaf blown on the chaos of the winds, but actually you are in the eye of the storm when chaos is going on around you. Jesus said, peace I give you, peace I leave you. Amen.